Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Jonathan Mixon. If you don't know me, I'm one of the elders here. Um, this morning, uh, as Tony's out, we wanted to take this opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, go back through some of our mission strategy. And part of that is uh, our Love Jeffco initiative. Um, and what that is is, you know, we invest and support local uh, missions and ministries here at home. And this morning, uh, we're honored to uh, uh, hear from uh, one of those um, organizations. And uh, before I introduce her, uh, I just I wanted to challenge everyone here. So um, as, you, as you sit here and listen, uh, I was reminded this past week from a friend that, uh, you know, your relationship with God is not your mission or your ministry. So as you listen this morning, I challenge you to, to pray and to seek what is God calling you to do in your community, you know, in the lives that you touch daily, um, you know, what, what's God calling you to? So uh, with that being said, um, uh, I wanted to uh, introduce Kathy Gleason from the Life Outreach Center. Uh, Life Outreach Center is essential in this community in representing the unborn. Uh, they're not just pro-life or, or pro-birth, they're pro-life. Um, they meet the tangible needs such as clothing, diapers, uh, counseling, ultrasounds, and so much more that I'm sure Kathy will uh, share here with you uh, shortly. Uh, Kathy has been the director and CEO for over 18 years now of Life Outreach Center, and we're truly honored to have her here this morning. So if you don't care, join me in welcoming Kathy Gleason. morning. Is this on? Okay, good. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning for several reasons. Um, first of all, because uh, I'm getting this opportunity to see your beautiful building for the first time. We, um, we know what it's like to be in, temporary, in a temporary building and have to set up and tear down because my husband and I and family were a part of a a church for many years like that, and um, I did uh, come and speak to you many years ago when you were in the community center, and um, I love it that Jesus gets top billing here, <laughs> um, and then also because I'm always glad to have the opportunity to just tell you in person how much we appreciate and how grateful we are for your partnership in this ministry, um, not just financially and materially, but also a lot of you have done hands-on service at our um, center over the years. Groups of ladies have come and um, helped us switch out baby clothes with the change of seasons. And something that's blessed us too is that um, a lot of them brought their children, and we love to see that your um, modeling acts of service in the community for your children. So bravo, moms, for that. But um, also, most recently, as a matter of fact, just this fall, uh, Elisa Lemons and Bobby and William Seals came and did a complete makeover on our maternity room. And I don't really think they knew what they were getting themselves into when they started that project because... Measuring for paneling over old plaster walls that are cracking when the walls and the ceilings aren't plumb was not an easy task. And, but Bobby and William um, 
pushed through and they managed to do it and it looks amazing. And then Elisa painted it a soft gray and so the transformation was incredible. I think Elisa has before and after pictures that she can show you, but now our moms really like shopping in the maternity room. So um, it, it's great to be able to brag on them this morning for that. So right up front, I want to just give you a standard disclaimer. Obviously, I'm going to talk to you today about life because I'm the director of a pregnancy center and I'm pro-life. But even though I hope to make it more about what we're for and not what we're against, it would be really difficult to not also talk about abortion. But I want you to hear my heart this morning I'm not going to try to politicize it because I don't want to be divisive in any way. And I know with the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade that there are lots of differing opinions and um, lots of high emotions about that. Even in Christian circles, I might add. But also because I know that more than 43% of women in the United States are post-abortive, that wherever I go, I'm going to encounter people that have experienced that. And so, please hear my heart. Contrary to popular belief, we do not beat women over the head with a baseball bat if they're considering abortion. As a matter of fact, we love and care for women who feel um, stressed to have an abortion, just like we do for women who have uh, chosen abortion and women who choose life for their baby. As a matter of fact, we're the only ones picking up the pieces from the emotional and the spiritual consequences after abortion and then just loving on them um, and pointing them back to Jesus, who's the only one who can give them freedom and forgiveness. I like to say that we spread mercy like a two-year-old spreads peanut butter. So maybe before I, I was thinking, maybe before I jump into this very serious subject, that I should tell a dad joke or something to lighten the mood. But I actually couldn't come up with a good one, so I'm just going to settle for telling you um, what a client told me a couple of weeks ago that made me chuckle. She came in for an ultrasound, and I asked her, she said she had a toddler, too, and I said, well, have you told your toddler about your pregnancy yet? And she said, yes, as a matter of fact, when I told her, mommy has a baby in her tummy, she said, I could see the wheels turning, and then she got this look of horror on her face, and she said, you ate a baby? You know, pregnancy, procreation, how that baby got there and how it's going to get out can be pretty confusing for a little one. Unfortunately, because of conflicting information and political rhetoric and beliefs, it can be kind of confusing for adults too. Well, I want to tell you what I know is not confusing this morning. I want to share with you that God is pro-life. And I want to tell you why I believe that's true. First of all, because the Bible says he's the author and creator of life. 
Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And I'm sure you're familiar with Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And also Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I think if you believe what the Bible says, that's pretty crystal clear. And also because I know that God opens and closes wombs. 1 Samuel 1.5 says, But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. But then in verse 19 and 20, it says, The Lord remembered her and she conceived. It also says in Genesis that God remembered Rachel and he listened to her and opened her womb. You know, I don't pretend to know why some couples struggle with fertility that would make amazing parents. And then on the other hand, some have unplanned pregnancies that are in the worst possible situations imaginable. But I do believe that God knows what he's doing. And if he created life, then there's a purpose and a plan there. We just can't see it or understand it yet. Did you know that conception happens only between 10 and 33% of the time? A woman in childbearing years only releases one egg a month. At a very specific time and for a very specific amount of viability. And of the 300 million sperm that are released in one union, only about 200 will actually ever even make it to the egg. And only one will fertilize it. Sounds like masterful planning to me. And I have to be honest, though, I'm really glad that God is in control of this because... If family planning had been left up to me and my husband, our three children probably wouldn't be here. Because we might never have thought it was just perfect timing. So, and also, I'm glad that he's in charge of how many because he only gave us three in spite of the fact that I never took birth control because I was terrified of the side effects. But he actually made up for it with grandchildren because we have 13 I said our children took that seriously about go and populate the world. But now here's the important part. When God opens a womb and that life is created, there's no question that it is a life from that moment of conception. There's scientific evidence of that now because of the fiber optics and all of the technology that they can see what's happening from the beginning. We know that that egg starts to rapidly divide into millions of cells, signifying the beginning of life. A newly fertilized egg contains a staggering amount of genetic information that controls that person's growth and development for the rest of their life. Some of it from the mom and some of it from the dad. But uniquely its own, unlike anybody else in the universe. It's not a part of a woman's body, but a separate human being temporarily housed in her womb that should be the safest 
most nurturing place on the planet. A single strand of DNA contains information that's equivalent to a library of thousands of volumes. That sounds like intelligent design to me. But you know what? If you've never really thought about these things very deeply, if, you know, you're just have just gone along with the status quo and believed what the popular belief is at the time. I, I know you're not alone. A lot of the people that come into the center, when you ask how they feel about abortion, they say, well, I would never choose that for myself, but I'm not going to tell somebody else what to do. And you know, when I really think about that, I'm like, well, if you think it's morally wrong, so wrong that you wouldn't do it, why do you believe it's okay for someone else to? I'm really going to date myself now. Um, I have to admit that Roe v. Wade happened, okay, again, Roe v. Wade happened when I was in college. I know that's a long time ago. And we didn't have a TV in our room back then in the dark ages. And we certainly didn't have, you know, like technology at our fingertips like there is now. And so I have to admit, I didn't know a whole lot about what was going on in the world. And let's face it, too, I was a college kid and I was pretty self-absorbed. I'm sure none of you, if you're college kids, are like that. But, but basically, abortion never even crossed my mind or touched my life until it did. I had a roommate who became pregnant our sophomore year. And the father of the baby was totally into her until he learned about the pregnancy. And he wasn't willing to step up and be a dad, but he was willing to pay for an abortion. And he didn't even take her to the abortion clinic. His brother had to do that. And it was in the summer, and she came to my house in Nashville to, to have the abortion. And I'm, I remember being relieved that I had to work that day so I couldn't take her to the abortion clinic as if that might make me less complicit because of that. I've always loved babies and children. They have always been precious to me. And I just could think, oh my goodness, if that were me, my mom would kill me, which is what most people say. And so I may not have driven her to the abortion clinic, but I also didn't do anything to support her, encourage her to carry her baby. And I just remember when I came home that afternoon, how she looked. It was like the light had gone out of her eyes, and um, she just sort of looked like her very soul had been sucked out of her. And I just still think about if that had been me, would I have taken the easy way out or would I have had the courage to face the embarrassment and the humiliation and the challenges to give my own baby life? Later, this friend confessed to me when we were older and we both had three children, and this was while she was battling breast cancer, that she had had another abortion right before she and her husband had gotten married that she had never told me about. Did you know studies have shown that if you have an abortion, 
before your first full-term pregnancy, you have a 50% increased risk of breast cancer. She had two. She died a year later and left three young children motherless. So I know there are lots of moms in here. So if you're a mom, and dads too, of course, you'll probably agree with me that it's you can't possibly go through nine months of pregnancy, give birth, and hold that baby in your arms and not realize how precious and miraculous life is. Well, by the time I had three children, I think I was hearing God loud and clear about what he thinks of life. But then once again, this issue rocked my world. But this time it was even closer to home. I had a niece who actually is more like my little sister because she was born when I was 12 that became pregnant her freshman year in college. And she came to Texas where my family was living at the time to stay with us until her baby was born because that's what you did back then. And she gave birth to a beautiful baby girl that she never looked at and never held and she released for adoption to a loving family. God really had my attention then. And he began to awaken in me a passion and a love for any mom in a situation that ending her baby's life seems like the best option. So I share that personal information with you this morning, not to say that LOC is about me in any way, but God used this issue to impact my life so profoundly, how could I not share why it should matter to all of us? Because even if this issue hasn't touched your life personally, God's called all of us as Christians, both morally and biblically, to protect and value life. Psalm 82, 3 through 4 says, Defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And Matthew 25, 40 says, Whatever you did for the least of these, you did to me. Could any other person be considered the least of these? more than the ones that don't have a voice, the unborn. So after 50 years of abortion on demand and over 65 million babies lost to abortion, you know, I wasn't really sure we would ever see the end to Roe v. Wade in my lifetime. And, you know, if there's some confusion about that, what the Dobbs decision did, um, it did not make abortion um, a federal law, um, what it did is it sent the decision back to the states so the people could make that decision where it belonged in the first place. And while abortion in Tennessee, because we had a trigger law, became um, illegal 30 days after, um, so it made it a little less convenient to get one, but it's still readily available to women, they can just cross state lines right into Asheville. And more, in it, more than ever, I see that 
women are encouraged to end of the, the life of their baby if their circumstances aren't perfect. We had a mom in just week before last for an ultrasound who's planning to go to Illinois and um, have an abortion in spite of seeing her 10-week-old baby just moving and um, had such a strong heartbeat. And we're still praying that God changes her heart because we know it was soft. She went through practically a box of Kleenexes while she was there. She cried so much. And then the two nurses and I used the rest of the box after she left because it never stops getting to you. You see, we know that baby is going to go straight into the arms of Jesus. But that mom is going to have to live with that decision every day for the rest of her life. And having just done a post-abortive Bible study and a memorial service for a woman that had an abortion 38 years ago last month, we just hate to see another one make that decision. We ache to see them choose differently. That lady had two children already, and, and we know that if she did go through with it, her two children will never know they had a sibling. And her parents may never know that they had another grandchild. And then that dad, who she said is not a good person, will probably never know that he had a son or a daughter. Our decisions, though they may be ours to make, are never made in a vacuum. They have far-reaching effects to others. And did you know that men can suffer from post-abortive syndrome as well. One of our biggest supporters is a couple that was also one of the earliest participants in our post-abortive Bible study. And it's the husband, not the wife, who's post-abortive. He's shared his testimony several times for us, and so I know that Andy won't mind me sharing his story this morning. He married young, and when his wife told him that she was pregnant, but she would die if she had the baby. He believed her, and so the best decision that they decided was to abort. Later, he found out she had lied to him, and needless to say, they're not married anymore. And I know that he suffered greatly from the consequences of that. So he and his current wife went through our Bible study together, and she said, that was my baby, too. You know, that was many years ago, um, but I have the greatest respect for that man. Um, a long time ago, in one of my bolder moments, I said to Coach Sparks, the coach of the football team at Carson Newman at the time, your football players are getting our women pregnant. And he said, I know you need to come talk to them. Well, that wasn't what I expected him to say, of course. But how was I going to back down after that? <laughs> so I took my son, who was a Carson Newman soccer player, a former Carson Newman soccer player, and had a story of abstinence until marriage. And I took Andy to share his story. And when... Andy spoke, you could have heard a pin drop in that place. 
And you saw tears in the eyes of a lot of those big, macho soccer uh, football players. And do you know, he never mentioned his reasoning for them choosing abortion. He shared his story, but he took all of the blame. And he shared about the emotional baggage that he had carried since then. And I'm still in awe because how quickly are we all to justify our sins and our mistakes and make excuses? He had a big excuse that he didn't even use. Also, this month, we had an abortion-minded athlete from Carson Newman. When she viewed her ultrasound, she said, well, this is not in my plans But God obviously had a different plan. And so we rejoiced that she decided to carry her baby. She even came for a prenatal class with me. And I was so happy. But lo and behold, she did not show up for her next appointment. And I've texted her numerous times. And crickets. We don't know, um, you know, what the result of, of that is. We, a lot of times, we don't know the ending to a story, but we're still praying. And, but, you know, sometimes even after gut-wrenching things like the two that I mentioned, God will give us a glimpse into how he's using our little small pregnancy center in this rural community to make a difference for life. I can't remember for sure if I shared this story last time I spoke with you, but if I did, it's worth repeating because it's a happy ending story. We had a woman that came in one day and brought a young girl, and the girl was basically homeless, and she had given her a place to stay because her boyfriend had kicked her out. And she, sure enough, had a positive pregnancy test, and I had the opportunity to even share the gospel with her that day, and she said, I just don't know if I can carry this baby I don't even have a place to live or anything and so I set her up for an ultrasound and when I called which is just which is our procedure to confirm that the and I just had the woman that brought hers number she said well she ran off and I don't know if she's going to show up for that ultrasound or not but sure enough she did and when she came though she was high as a kite And the baby daddy had brought her because he didn't believe she was pregnant and he wanted to see for himself. And he said, I hate this woman and I don't want to have anything to do with her, but I do want this baby. And so afterwards, he was just going to leave her there. And I said, well, if you want this baby, then you're going to have to see that she's taken care of. And so... He left with her, and we never knew the results of that. We never knew until about a year and a half later, a lady came in and brought someone else for a pregnancy test, and she said, you don't recognize me, do you? And I see a lot of people. Sometimes I do recognize faces, even though I don't remember the name. But when she began to tell me her story, I remembered who she was. And she took out a picture and she said, this is the baby you guys saved. And I said, is is he okay? And she said, yes, he's perfect. And I said, well, we didn't save your baby. God did then. And 
she said, do you know, he took me that day and put me up in a hotel and I had to go cold turkey. And she said, we got married in the hospital the day my son was born. That is a neat, happy ending. But the truth is, every woman that walks through our doors has a story. And as Christians, isn't it our job to love them well, to care for them and just point them back to Jesus? Because unless they have hope and they and we show them that we care for them, they're certainly not going to see their way clear to giving life to their baby. We love them both. Our mission is to empower men and women to choose life by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, to promote healthy families, and to do it all again tomorrow. Some of our biggest critics who, unfortunately, were raised as Christians and maybe have walked away from their faith say that, oh, those pro-life people, they just want to save a baby. They don't care anything about that mom that's struggling to put food on the table. They just manipulate them into having their baby. Actually, the Lozier Institute is doing a survey every year now. They started us several years ago, and they found that pregnancy centers in the United States spend millions of dollars in or give millions of dollars of aid to moms in the way of diapers, wipes, and baby items. Then they educate and walk alongside them by teaching positive parenting skills and practical life skills like budgeting, etc. Saving the taxpayers millions of dollars because churches like you and individuals support us. And that's such good news because, honestly, sometimes Christians get it terribly wrong. One of the ladies at our center that's a client advocate was a young unwed mom. And when she found out she was pregnant, of course, the father didn't want anything to do with it. But during that pregnancy, she met a godly man who was willing to marry her and raise her baby as his own. And his church removed him from his position of leadership. Admittedly, that was over 20 years ago and probably not indicative of all churches at the time. But more recently, I had a girl that stopped in that was just happened to be in this county for her job. And she um, stopped in for a quick pregnancy test when she saw our sign and she was nervous that she was pregnant even though I found out she was married and, and had another child. And she said, well, we're struggling financially. So she was very relieved with the negative results because she said, um, my parents don't help us. As a matter of fact, when she and her boyfriend, of when they were in high school, found out they were pregnant, her parents didn't want to be humiliated and, and embarrassed in front of their friends or their neighbors, and most especially their church. So they pressured them to abort. And when they chose instead to get married and give life to their baby, her parents disowned her. And she said that when she sees her mom in the local Walmart 
with her toddler in the basket that her mom turns around and goes the opposite direction. So that absolutely ripped this mother-grandmother heart to shreds when she told me that. So where are we now? It's a great thing that we no longer pin a scarlet letter on a woman's um, dress when she gets pregnant out of wedlock. We support her and we love her because we value and treasure every human life. But, you know, our culture has shifted so far that because of the lifestyle these days, they promote abortion just if it's inconvenient to have a baby. And they do it many times with a mail-order pill. We've lost our sensitivity to what's good and right and moral where life is concerned because we don't want to be considered uninclusive, maybe. But that's a whole different message. This is our 25th year of ministry to this community. And, you know, I see God working more today than ever before. We've seen him make a difference in so many lives of women and men. And lots of babies wouldn't be here if it weren't for his intervention at LOC. A lot of you already know we don't receive government funding because we don't want the government coming in and telling us that we can't share the gospel. And so we have three major fundraisers a year. We, do, um, we pass out baby bottles and we have a walk for life. But we also have in the spring what used to be a banquet until COVID. And now for the last couple of years, it's just become an event. But this year, to celebrate our 25th anniversary, God laid on our heart that instead of just a fundraiser where it's adults only, that we really need to reach the younger generations um, that have sort of lost that biblical more moral truth. And so this year we're having as our guest speaker, Abby Johnson. And if you don't know who she is, um, she is a woman who was the director of a Planned Parenthood in Bryan College Station years ago. And she um, saw in that, in one of her duties, an ultrasound-directed abortion. And when she saw that baby trying to get away from the surgical instruments. She left that day and went straight to a pro-life organization and said, you've got to help me get out of this. And Planned Parenthood sued her, but she won that suit and um, where she is able to tell about her experiences in Planned Parenthood. And she wrote a book called Unplanned, and then it was made into a major motion picture, um, I think, in 2019. And it was out in theaters for a while. So she's going to be our guest speaker. And we are opening that up to college age and high school age um, to hear her speak. And we're having it at Lakeway Christian Academy in their performing arts, which seats 1,200. And so we're trying to promote it in all the churches and at Carson Newman and Walter State and even in the youth groups in the churches. And so um, 
that's just something that I wanted to share with you that in planning this event, would love to have each and every one of you. Typically, it was we have a host that hosts a table or a pew, and um, we just hope that we can get the word out and just give back um, to this community um, because of all the the help that and support that we've received. So I haven't kept track of time, and I don't know how long I've been, but I would really like to open it up for questions if anyone has. And um, I know they weren't sure anybody was going to be brave enough to to ask a question, but I would love to to answer it if you do. And even if it's a hard question, I, I'll try to answer it. Don't be shy. Um, we give away diapers and obviously wipes and baby clothes and all of those. And God has been so gracious to give us um, what we need in those areas. We do um, a lot of times lack things like sleepers in specific sizes. And we'll, we'll run out of those things. A lot of times it's the bigger sizes because we allow a mom to stay on our program till her baby's two. And um, they tend to wear them out faster as they get older. So sometimes we can be short on the, the bigger size clothes. Um, you guys actually helped us out recently when we needed, I don't know, Alyssa brought, just kept bringing us big sleepers. So thank you to any of you that contributed to that because we were, we were in... A dire need and you met that need so I can't thank you enough for that but you know diapers are consumable and so um, our diaper closet just happens to be full right now praise God of all the smaller sizes so diapers are something that um, usually it's the bigger sizes we run out of and I have to purchase right now fours and fives seem to be a hot commodity I, we must have more getting bigger but um we have actually had, in the last three months, we have had like seven babies born. And um, when the mom has their baby, we try to give them a little cube or a diaper bag full of all new stuff. And, um, you know, so sometimes we can run short of some of those brand new things. So um, that's a blessing. And thank you for your question. Yes, we, um, I was telling um, your worship leader, I forgot her name, um, she uh, asked me that and I was telling her we have everything um, as far as volunteer opportunities from if you just want to come and match baby clothes, um, if you just want to sort them for us, or we have people that come and just put things in the computer for us that are a whiz on that. And um, and then we have client advocate opportunities where you can go through our training, which is about eight to ten hours that um, we conduct ourselves and become a client advocate. And that you would like do intakes on new clients. And then um, if if you meet with a client and she's pregnant and she gets on our program, 
then um, you had the opportunity to stay with her until that baby's two. And so it's just an investment in that um, precious woman's life and her baby's life. And um, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing opportunity. Good question. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry I did not say that. It's April 20th. It seating begins at 6:30 and it starts at 7. And we're usually done by 9. And like I said, it's an opportunity to donate, but there's no minimum. And, of course, we know that college and high school kids are not going to be donors. So, But we want them to come anyway. So if you, um, if you spread the word, that would be amazing. Okay, well, did you know that those comprise actual comprise actually less than one percent of abortions and um, and when people talk about the hard cases like rape or incest, then we say that that we think that when a woman chooses abortion for that, that it's like being victimized twice because it actually compounds her coping. But then in the case of the where the mother's life is in peril, those are always, as far as the law is concerned, specific situations. Um, even in Tennessee, that is not, um, you know, part of the law or an ectopic pregnancy. And um, one of the things that we value life um, in all circumstances, our position on that is that women very often choose life even when the doctor says that you know there could be complications or that baby not might not be perfect or those kinds of things and we believe that um, a lot of times she chooses that and a lot of times medical science is wrong I've seen that over and over again but that's good question and that's what most people will say that, you know, they can justify abortion if the life of the mother is in peril. I don't want to cut anybody off, but I also don't want to go over time. So any more questions? Okay, well, I was asked to pray at the end, so let me just say a prayer for us. Father, thank you for this body of believers that put you first, Lord, that worship you, Jesus, that um, love each other and care for each other. And um, I pray for abundant life for each of them. I thank you for their growing church, for their children and their ministry here. I thank you for uh, each individual that's represented here. Um, I pray that Jesus would reign in their hearts and their body. And I pray that Tony and his wife are getting a much needed rest. And I just pray that he comes back rejuvenated. And I pray, Lord, that you will just um, do your will 
in this, this church, this wonderful body, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to come and get to, to fellowship with them and to share with them about LOC resources. God, I thank you that they care about this community and that they want to, to impact um, this community for you, Jesus. And we just um, praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.